So, well, I tell you, this is, uh, it's good that I only record the message portion for the podcast because listeners, other than me confessing it now, will have no idea that I got the service out of order for the first time in, in three years. And, and like I said, I hadn't changed in five years, but mercy me. All right. Maybe I'll just start with a quick prayer that says, Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the humor we have where we can kind of laugh at ourselves and not take each other too seriously. Lord, maybe that's a it's good message that we're going to hear this morning because we're going to look at ourselves. So, amen. Bless our service. So, I call this Reflected in Truth. And uh, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about this commandment to go and to go and serve and the need to pause. Last week, we talked about the need to pause and to be served in certain times and certain seasons of our lives. Last week, I'd asked the question, is this a time you need to step up and serve? Or is this a time where you need to rest and be served? And I said, and I I actually said, listen carefully to me. I said, this is not for any person in this room to decide or judge for you. Just as with your choice to give offering or not, this is a personal decision. And it should be based on your conversation with God and what he places in your heart to do in response. So I asked that question, is this a time to step up or, or a time to take a break? How did you answer? Is this a season where you need to step up or, or the rest? Do you need the recharge to be ministered to? And then I wanna know what was your answer based on? Hopefully you paused and prayed and, and about it and asked God to guide you in this answer and decision. We had that conversation this morning in the Bible study. You know, when we, when we ask and pray and things don't go our way, we, we have a different understanding of why they worked out the way they did. Because we said, God, you know, take this and, and do what you need to do or make it very obvious. And when bad things happen and we go, huh, God must have wanted to close that door for me. And we had some great examples this morning of that. But it's likely you, you, you pause to a, assess your current efforts and situations evaluated yourself, right? That's what we do. That, you know, that's our first inclination is to say, should I be doing more? Should I be doing something different? And we go, well, here's what I've done so far. You know, and that's not, that's not necessarily what we want to do. We want to say, God, what do you want me to do? Regardless of what I've done so far, what I want to do next, what do you want me to do? So, so let's be honest. When we asked that question, we were really judging ourselves, and we all do it. When I was organizing my message topics, I had planned to call this one Eyeing the Blind Spots because we all have blind spots and when we drive and in our lives, you know, because we're in the habit. We're used to seeing that same thing all the time. We're used to doing the same thing, and, and you know, um, that, that will, that's something we need to look at are these blind spots, and that name will mean more in a few minutes. But after church on Sunday, Al shared an idea. Remember that? You, you had an idea based on a common expression. You remember what that expression was? You called me and you said... Take a good look at yourself. Take a good look at yourself. And, uh, and, and, and I remember that too. It's, it's kind of one of those self-evaluating. Take a good look at yourself. What'd you do? Why are you like that? All that. And, and, and we're our toughest critics, aren't we? We can certainly be hard on ourselves, but are we realistic when we do that? Or better yet, are we actually being honest when we're being such a critic? Ephesians 2.10 reminds us, for we are his workmanship. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is the serving part, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this reminded me of that old expression. There used to be a poster on the wall in my Sunday school class, and it says, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. 
Remember that? Do you remember that saying at all? Does that come back? That's what popped into my head when I'm reading that verse. God created me. I'm his handiwork. I'm not junk. I'm not junk, you know. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we should go, God made me. God's got a purpose for me. God loves me. So are we objectively looking at ourselves and viewing the true us? And are we honest in our evaluation of how we compare to the best version of us that God created? That's what we should be comparing ourselves to, not the person next to us, not what someone else wants to be, not even really what we want to be, but the best version of ourselves. And that's a really complicated question, so I want to unpack it. First, are you even looking at yourself? Psalms 119.59 says, I have considered my ways and have turned my steps towards your statutes. It starts with being aware. Look at yourself. I've considered my ways. I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm doing. From Lamentations 340, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. In both of these cases, the person was saying, I looked at myself and I need to do something different. Now that may not always be the case, but it always starts with looking at yourself. And when you do, are you seeing yourself honestly and with the truth? And this, the truth is God's view. Are you seeing yourself the way God sees you? What does is, what is God's voice sound like to you? If you're hearing your ex-wife or ex-husband and it's, it's critical, then, or, or your bad boss who likes to critique you and, and pick you apart, that's, that's not God's voice, right? If it's your own negative self-talk, if it's your own voice telling you you're not good enough or something, that's not God either. God's voice, whatever it sounds like in your head, will always be calming, and there's a sense of peace with it, even if it's not good news. There's an overwhelming sense of peace. But also, as we look in the mirror or look at ourselves in truth, we don't want to dismiss things we see. We don't want to be overcritical, but we don't want to be falsely optimistic, and we don't want to be hypocrite. No one wants to be a hypocrite. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, Jesus' own word says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. But aren't we, don't we judge ourselves too? Right? We don't want God to judge us the way we judge ourselves. Man, I'm glad he's more forgiving than I am. Because we're really tough on ourselves. Job wrote these words. He says, how many wrongs and sins have I created or committed? He says, show me my offense and my sin. Again, prayer. God, show me. What am I supposed to be seeing when I, when I check my reflection? What are the things I'm doing well and what are the blind spots? What are the spots I need to be working on? 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul advises, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? There's good news. You see Christ Jesus when you look at yourself. Do you like what you see? 1 John 3, 20, 21. If, if our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. Right? If you're hard on yourself, that's too bad. I mean, it's bad. That's unfortunate. But God's greater than that. And he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Right? And sometimes we're afraid to look at ourselves, Second Timothy. For God gave us a spirit of, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's power, that's not shame. There's power in true reflection. And there's no condemnation when you face your true self. Again, Paul, Romans 8.1, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
The voice you hear when you look and evaluate yourself is not condemning. If it is, whether it sounds like God or not, it's not God. And Sherry and I have more than a couple projects going right now. And it's hard in the middle of these projects to not judge the project, right? You know, first coat of paint and you're like, there's holidays in it, right? We, I don't know why they call it holiday to make it sound less thing than saying you missed, right? Or, or you know, as, as, and we've got projects going in different spots. It's just, well, there's a lot of irons in the fire. But, but it's all a work in progress. It's hard to look at it and go, you know, we, you know, you do, we try, we go, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But you look at it and go, it's, it's a work in progress. And in Philippians, it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. You are a work in progress. Don't judge yourself yet. You're only part of the, part of the way through what God's, God's got planned for you. And if you haven't been doing everything exactly how he's wanted to, then you aren't even really halfway through the good stuff yet. Right? You're a work in progress. All this is our dry run for what comes next, where we have an eternity to enjoy God's blessing and to do God's work. We're just finding our place in that now. This is another reference. We you know I said, you know, be careful how you judge others, but definitely be careful how you judge yourself. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience to other people and to yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. We know, we know who our neighbors are. Jesus said they're everybody, right? And there's scriptures that the, the, the apostle would say, who are my neighbors? You say, love your neighbor as Who's my neighbors? And, and he gave examples. Everybody's your neighbor. But he doesn't say, love your neighbor as yourself. We know how much we're supposed to love our neighbor. That's how much you're supposed to love yourself. So when you look at your reflection in the mirror and you look at it in truth, you look at yourself with love. And again, your comparison is to be the best version of you. We're all different. God designed us to be differently. God created us perfectly, but that doesn't mean that we are perfect. We may be flawed, but the design isn't. You have the potential to be who God meant you to be. We all do. And that's great news. That's great news. This is not an unattainable goal. God said, We're just, you're just working towards what I've got in mind for you. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Each one of us is different and unique and perfectly so. And as this body of Christ, we're Jesus' ongoing ministry tool. We talked about that. Do we reflect him? Do we reflect his values and love? From Galatians 3, 26 to 28. For Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. As Christians, we not only reflect Jesus, we reflect the church. Right? We're supposed to, to correct in love and in forgiveness. We are supposed to, as, as we read this morning in the Bible study, as far as it's up to us, live at peace with everyone, right? Doesn't mean we roll over. Doesn't mean we don't stand up for what's right or important. It just means we handle things with peace and love and respect. When we do that, we're reflecting not only ourselves, but Christianity and Jesus Christ himself. 
Colossians says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Reflect him. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourself. Reflect him this way. Set an example, it says in Titus, by doing what is good. First John, we love because he first loved us. We are a reflection. This comes in and it goes out. It comes down from above and it goes out. But how do we know if we're doing this right? How do we know if the reflection we're looking at is, is what God wants, if we're working towards the best version of us? How do we know if we're even seeing the right thing? And the, what I can think of is, is, is a gauge, right? Gauges give you a snapshot when you look at it of the moment what your status is. It, it'll tell you your speed. It'll tell you your, your oil pressure. It'll, it'll tell you all that stuff. And, and it'll tell you if within the limits, like literally with the speed limits or the safety limits of the car and your oil pressure or your battery charge. It's a gauge. It's just a gauge. It just tells you what's going on. And my car does this thing. And I, I was giving the Mennonites a ride home yesterday, and they were amazed by this. And I wasn't showing off because... Um, well, you'll hear in a second. I was showing them how the car, if you start to get too close to the center lane, it beeps at you. And then, and I, I thought, that's neat. I'll just show them how to do that. Well, they're like, oh, it sure beeps a lot. Yeah, it does. <laughs> the roads aren't straight. Um, and I also have this little yellow light that comes on in my mirrors if someone's in my blind spot. And if my turn signal's on while someone's on the light, it flashes at me. So I know, hey, there's someone there, stupid. You know, neither of these actually keep me safe. I mean, they're designed to help, but they just tell me you're going too fast. You're getting too close to the car. You're getting close to the center line. You're, you know, all these things. But how I respond to remain safe is up to me, right? I won't change lanes. I won't get any close to that car. I will stay centered in the lane I'm driving. You know, likewise, our familiar with God's love, Jesus' example, and all the biblical teachings, they calibrate your gauges, Right? If your speedometer is wrong, then you have no idea how fast you're going. You know, if, if my mirror is turned or that camera's broken, I'll have no idea if someone's there. So you have to know that it works before you rely on it. And all these things, God's love, Jesus' example, biblical teaching, they calibrate our gauges. Okay? And trust me, the world's calibration of our gauges is wrong. It's fraught with peril. I was going to use that word fraught. I was excited about that. Yeah. Listen to Paul's warning from this letter in Galatians. It says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. We know what these are. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live by this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or, or nudge your spouse if that's on their list. Okay? I am... Um, Watching you, Donna. <laughs> I I think I had a fit of rage when that hornet was chasing me. Um, yeah, I did a couple other things on this list too. Um, but but we as humans, we have become more tolerant of some of these things. Does it seem like right? A little more tolerant. Maybe maybe we even we pursue them not intentionally, but we no one would we would never intentionally sin. But the things that we we think are, are, are important or whatever, or we get, you know, in, in a, with good intentions, we have discord, we have jealousy, um, we have selfish ambition, you know, do we, idolatry and witchcraft, we would never do that, but do we, do we sometimes like the stuff a lot, right? 
Paul warns, do not be conformed to this world. We know this verse. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The best, most reliable gauges in the world won't help you if you don't trust them. Do you trust what God is telling you when you look in the mirror and you say, God, how am I doing against your laws, your commandments, your obedience? Now, I wish I had this visual aid with me. It's actually in storage somewhere. But I, back in 1997, got my pilot's license. It was on my, on my bucket list. And when they teach you to, to trust your gauges, because there's some scary statistics that about a, a novice pilot flying in the clouds, that the mortality rate is extremely high because you get disoriented. And they do a couple things to, to teach this to you. They, they have you close your eyes. And they do some maneuvers. And they will, the first thing they'll do is say, now what are, what are we doing? You know, are we climbing? Are we turning? What are, are we speeding up? Whatever. Because I'll be honest, in the bottom, it all feels the same in a small plane. If you're accelerating, you're being pushed down. If you're climbing, you're being pushed down. If you're turning, you're being pushed down. And so they'll disorient you. And then they'll say, open your eyes at your plane. And you recover the plane, they call that, from whatever, so that you get back to a straight level flight. It is never what you think it is. So they teach you to trust your gauges. In fact, they have these things, they're called foggles. They look like safety glasses, but they're all fogged up except the bottom, almost like bifocal. So you can't see anything but right in front of your gauges. And they teach you to trust your gauges, right? The gauges have to be right. They have to be calibrated. But if you trust the gauge and it says you're flying straight and level and smooth and you're flying in the direction you'd be flying, you're okay. The reason pilots get in trouble is because my gauge must be wrong or I don't look at the gauge because I'm disoriented. It's dark at night and there's nothing on the ground or I'm in a cloud and you're like, I know I'm dying. I know I'm, I need to go up and you end up doing some sort of crazy turn and, and it never turns out well. You got to trust the gauges and the gauges are calibrated to God's word, right? In fact, we recall this familiar verse, all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. It is literally the Bible. People say that all the time. This, this thing is your Bible and your job. I have uh, my company, I, I hate it. They're like, this spreadsheet is your Bible. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's really important to my job, but it's not my Bible. But trusting the gauges won't help you take the right action either. So will you make a change if the gauges are telling you? I need to be a little more patient. I need to be a little more kind. I need to be a little more trusting. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to earthly nature. And he lists these things again. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, which is idolatry and greed. Ezekiel says, but if a wicked person turns away from the wickedness they've committed and does what is just and right, they will save their life because they consider all these offenses they have committed and turn away from them, that person will surely live. They will not die. Guys, when you look in the mirror, you may not like what you see, but if you're looking at it objectively from God's perspective, you'll see several things, right? He loves you. He cares for you. He's got a plan for you, right? In a minute, we're gonna take communion. And uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26 and 28, it's often the words, and I paraphrase them a little bit, but, but you'll recognize them. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then the verse goes on. It says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. Why is that? You're about to commune with God. And he says, look at yourself. Just look at yourself. Honestly, objectively, and with love. And I want to pause here and make an important point. Both, both last week in my charge at beginning the message, I said, you know, is this a time when you need to step or is it a time you need to step back? And I said, it's not a, a, a time or place for anybody in this room to decide or judge for you. That is between you and God. So there's another phrase you may be familiar with. And it says, God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. You've heard that? Something like that? I want to point out two things. First, that's not the phrase. And it's certainly not in scripture. Actually, it was, it was, it was actually written regarding a newspaper story. It was talking about the newspaper afflicts the comfortable because writers would, you know, point out the truth or share a story. You know, it'll, they'll look at it now. I mean, the media will tear down a person or, or, it'll, or it'll comfort a person who needs encouragement, right? So that's where that came from. Secondly, the church doesn't do it. It's God that does this. He uses us, us as individuals, us as a congregation for this purpose. But so does Satan sometimes. The best way to distinguish the difference in the voices, no matter how it sounds like, is to ask the question, is this in line with what I know about God? And there are several things that we know as truth and we need to see in the reflection. When we look in the reflection, we need to know first, God cares for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I have towards you, the thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. God loves you. He wants good things for you. Remember that when you evaluate yourself. He knew you when you were an unformed body, scripture says. He fashioned us. He created us. He loved us. And a reference in Matthew to the, the, the two sparrows sold for a copper coin. The reference is these things are, are cheap and, and I don't want to say disposable, but these are, these are things of little value. But he says not one of these sparrows will, will fall to the ground and God not know about it. And he says, how much more will God care about you? Second, God has a plan for you. He says we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Okay? When you look at yourself, remember God loves you and he has a purpose for you. Again, we're his workmanship created, by Christ, uh, created in Christ Jesus for the work God prepared. And third, God will not leave you. If you don't like what you see in the mirror, if you're, if you're not quite getting it downright, God's not going to leave you. Scripture says he's patient. He'll wait for you. What hurts is we're missing the opportunity. Between now and the time we get it right, we're missing opportunities to, to receive some blessing. God will wait for us. God will continue to use us. But to get the benefits of that relationship, we need to be in it. Psalm 94, 14, The Lord will not cast off his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. We are his children. He says, if they indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then there shall be a special treasure. We shall be a special treasure to God above all people. For all the earth is his. This is Exodus. Joshua reminds us the Lord goes with us wherever we go. Many examples in the Bible. 
And finally, the end of the list, but not the end of everything. God is looking forward to spending eternity with you. John 3, 16, for God's love, the world he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The goal of looking at yourself, the goal of reflecting in truth is so you can work out the bugs, so you can get saved and you can be there with God in heaven. That's what he wants. So what do you see when you honestly look at yourself? And maybe you haven't had an opportunity to do this. But when you do, what action do you need to take? If there's a flaw that's reflected in truth, you can change it. You can, you can fix it. You can be restored and God will be a part of that. If you're seeing things that are doing well, God's looking and said, well done. Keep it up. Don't let up. Whatever you see, there is an action to be taken. We never sit back and passively enjoy our Christianity, right? It's a lot like marriage, it takes work because there's always something coming at it, good or bad, there's always something going on and you just need to remain faithful and true to your belief and your marriage. Before we do communion, I just wanna remind you how much God loves you. He sent his son He gave a part of himself. He so badly wanted to be in contact with us that he became one of us. He came to save us. He came to teach us. And he made such an impact in those few short years before he lost his life on the cross. And this is the time when we we recognize that as a part of our communion. You know, I read the scripture and it said, on the night he was betrayed, okay, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he gave thanks and he, he poured the wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Blood was spilled. This blood, this new covenant covers all people for all times. Over 2,000 years ago, this promise was made to you. And it covers you and your children and every one of us that accept it as a forgiveness of our sins. I hope when you look in the mirror and you reflect on who you are, that above all else you remember that you're forgiven. Right? So I've got the uh, individual packets. And if you'll go ahead and... um, Peel the top back and take the, the wafer, which is the bread, the body. God says, do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, if you'll take the juice and remember the new covenant, the new promise made on your behalf, that all of your sins, all your transgressions, all the ones that you've committed, all the ones yet to commit, are taken to the cross and said, There is now a way to get right with God, and it's right through me. As we take a moment to take our communion, I just want to say a a word of prayer, and then I've got a song to, to share. Father God, sometimes it's easy to look at ourselves. We're excited about the way we look. Just sometimes it's a little tougher. And we're not as excited about the way we are. 
But God, as we evaluate ourselves, we help us to not be so critical, but to honestly hold ourselves up to the gauges that are calibrated to your word that says you love us, you care for us, you have a purpose for us, you have forgiveness for us, and you want a future with us. God, whatever we see lead to an action that changes us to bring us more in line with what you'd have our lives be like. Help us become more and more like the best version of ourselves. God, as we take this communion and we listen to the words of the song, may we open our hearts to what you have us here. Amen.